episode of Justin the Food Entrepreneur's Podcast. I'm Justin Bizarro. I'm your host. That's B-I-Z-Z-A-R-R-O. And you can find me on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook at Justin Bizarro. You can also find our podcast at Justin the Food Entrepreneur's on Facebook and Instagram as well. And you can find our new podcast, the Centurion Leadership Battalion, um, at Centurion Leadership Battalion on Instagram and Facebook as well. And all of our podcasts are now available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and Podbean. So uh, take a listen. Uh, Please share it. Please listen on any platform you're comfortable with or share all the platforms. That would be great. So today I have with us Steve Seabury of Long Island, New York, who has formed and founded High River Sauces. How are you doing today, Steve? I'm doing well. Yourself? I'm doing very well. I'm, I'm a little bottled up. I um, I actually got to tell you, it's funny. Um, I saw this thing the other day, uh, since we're all in quarantine, of, you know, this thing of why the dog sprints out of the house as soon as the doors open. I know that feeling now. And I and I totally, I was like, this cartoon is totally true. You're in your house so much, you, the door opens and you want to sprint out in full fury. And the other part that reminds me of it is you hear an engine start and you just want to run to the car and get in and get the hell out of Dodge, you know? So it's like, oh man. Exactly. So I'm, I'm a little stir crazy. Um, I'm, I, I travel a lot um, in the food world. So I'm usually on the road every other week. So being home these five weeks in a row has been a little bit crazy. Um, you know, ups and downs for sure. If I were to be truly authentic, it's a little hard you know, um, uncertainty and things like that, but I'm doing pretty good, honestly. So on that note, uh, Steve, tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got into the sauce business, um, and your background. Well, I got into, uh, I've always loved spicy food ever since I was a little kid and Boy Scouts, you know, we always tear each other and see who could eat the hottest pepper or the hottest hot sauce. And, uh, you know, I always loved cooking, you know, I grew up on a farm in upstate New York and, you know, my mom was an awesome chef, uh, well, stay at home mom chef, you know, and, uh, what do you call it? And, uh, yeah, she just kind of taught me how to cook. And then when I moved to New York city in 96, I, I, I was in a whole new world. I was like, wow, I grew up in a small town and I moved to New York city and there was just like food I never experienced before. And I was like a kid in a candy store. And, uh, after, um, you know, you know, playing in band, you know, I grew up playing guitar too and playing in bands and stuff. So when I was touring, I always made my homemade hot sauce just to make, you know, late night 7-Elevens or late night Taco Bell trips a lot easier, you know, and taste better. And I just, all my friends were like, oh, you should sell this, man. This is so good. And uh, so finally we, we just started bottling it and giving it away and selling it. And I started doing farmer's markets and we're probably in seven, 700 thousand grocery stores now we're in 11 different countries and uh yeah it's it's a a little hobby turned into a a business that's hard to juggle sometimes you know but we're doing our best that's incredible that is seriously incredible i love that so i mean what an accomplishment right so how i mean when did you form the business and and how long has it taken you to get to where you are well we started um we actually sold our first bottle of hot sauce in 2011, you know, professionally, you know, and, um, and here we are today. I mean, it just gets bigger and bigger. It seems like every day I'm getting, we're getting more opportunities. 
Uh, people know who we are. We, we got, uh, you know, brand loyalty with our, you know, uh, our customer base, fan base, and uh, word of mouth spreads. And, uh, yeah, we're, we're very uh, – I, I, I kind of view it like, a, you know, being a musician, DIY. You know, I'm not going to – I'm not kicking down anybody's doors. I'm not, I'm not doing any of that stuff. I, I'm a strong believer of, uh, you know, you know, you got to start playing in a band in a garage before you play Madison Square Garden, you know? Yeah. So that's kind of our mentality. You know, we just want to do the farmer's markets, you know, commit locally, grow regionally, and then try to take off the rest of the world, you know? So that's been our uh, model and uh, we've been really happy with it. So I'm going to, this is a weird coincidence and I, it's actually, so I actually out of, you know, I work with all different types of food entrepreneurs, but you're the fourth person that has started a hot sauce or sauce company after start, after playing in a band. It's like a, it's a weird correlation there, but, and I want to tie it to the audience because we've never really tied this together. One of the things that happens in entrepreneurs in general, not just in food and beverage is that um is that the way you guys learn i want to it's like you talked about you start off in a garage before you get to madison square gardens or if you're an athlete you start off dribbling the basketball at your house with a hoop on the side of your garage you know and then you get to the level so that mentality (laughs) of i just got to stay in the grind and I just got to keep working at it before I can actually achieve success on, on a higher level. I've got to start somewhere and keep working at it. That mentality spills over into being an entrepreneur, um, whether it's a musician or whether it is an athlete. And I think you just touched upon, and I think it's important, and anyone who's not a musician or hasn't been an athlete, um, you know, that's the understanding. I have the I have been blessed where I grew up in a family of entrepreneurs and I was an athlete. So, you know, there were those things, but that being said, I had to learn very hard that if I didn't get playing time, it meant meant I need to do more. So in your case, or if we're talking about food, if you're not on the shelf, it just means you got to keep working at it and not give up. Exactly. And, and, you know, I, I talked to a lot of, you know, friends and stuff. They're like, Oh man, I gotta, I gotta get in Walmart or whatever, you know, they're, they're big box retailer. I'm like, well, why? I mean, if if you, if you do get in that account, your bottles are going to collect dust. The account's going to get pissed off because it's not selling. They're going to want to return it and you're never going to get back into that account. I, I'm a strong believer. You gotta, you know, like I said, start in the garage. You gotta build a local following, a regional following and build brand awareness, uh, customer loyalty, and then get in the stores, and then people will start buying it. And, you know, in our first four or five years, we were probably in maybe a dozen or so stores, you know, and we were just content just doing farmers markets and, you know, hot sauce festivals and stuff like that, just to build our base. And um, now, you know, I'll, we have so much product sell through in all our stores that we're in, and it's, it's a great feeling. So I'm glad we did it that way because I see other people trying to do it the opposite way, like quick growth and go out of the box shooting strong. And they're usually here today, gone later today. You know, they're not, you know, not in business, you know, very long. Well, and it's 100% true. And I think growing up on a farm somewhat helps that also because no matter how many times you feed the cow or change the hay or clean a horse stall, you still got to do it every day. There still has to be that persistence with never an end in sight. And that's really what it is, what you're saying is there's never an end in sight because, um, 
because you got to keep working at it. And if you really want to grow a brand, you can't look at it like if I just get here. No, it's it's I got to keep working at it and see where it goes and just go with it. And I love you. What you said is basically it took five years to really build the loyalty. And then you sort of explode out of that because it is building one relationship at a time with one customer at a time and moving forward and then people talk and they share it but that takes a lot of time to cultivate when it comes to food it's not like the internet and it's a software where you can just spread it around and 10 million people sign up for it when it comes to food and beverage you actually people have got to taste it they've got to like it and it takes a little longer to share it and spread it and people to find it especially because you go regionally at first just by nature you know it's hard to get a product nationwide at first and if you do you probably spend too much money and bankrupt yourself so um, yeah no exactly well one of the things that we did was uh when we started taking off regionally i was like wow this is really cool you know you know i, I believe in hard work perseverance i work seven days a week and you know it's just just in my nature and my blood you know but uh you know going back to when I was in a band and, you know, doing music touring, you know, and stuff like that. I, you know, hot sauce became my new band, you know, all, all the, the recipes that we create, they're my songs, the labels that we put on the, on the bottles. Those are my, like my album covers, you know, music is the only thing I can relate to kind of, you know? And, um, so when we were, uh, trying to, you know, build our base, you know, I could put together a festival, music festival. I can do tours and so that. So I was like, well, what, how come there's not like a hot sauce tour or not like that? So we started the Tupperware of Destruction Tour, and it's uh, all hot sauce. And uh, we organize, High River Sauces organizes the uh, New York City, California, Portland, Oregon, Chicago. And we're going to add a new one in Charlotte this year. But we do all those hot sauce uh, expos. Huge festivals, uh, thousands and thousands of people come out, and that's really helped us brand our name as well. And so now uh, we're really getting a, you know a lot of shelf space now on the West Coast now, uh, which is awesome because of doing these expos and you know people are seeing that High River Sauces presents all these shows and uh, kind of making it a lifestyle. Man, this is uh, you know this is our way of life, and uh, there's a lot of people that live, breathe, and eat hot sauce as well, and those are the people we're going after. And so, I mean, let's let's tell people where they can find you online, uh, what stores they can find you in, and what your social media is, because I want to make sure everyone goes and looks at you guys. Yeah, everything is uh, High River Sauces. So it's HighRiverSauces.com, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, it's all High River Sauces. So just find me. You email me from the site or social media, it all comes to me personally, and I personally respond to every single person. So, uh, yeah, stop in and say hello, and any questions about the hot sauce, you know, feel free to ask. And uh, we always do some giveaways. Uh, any purchase on the website, I always throw in, like, sunglasses or whatever. And, uh, and most of the stores that we're in, you know, we're in some regional grocery stores, nothing, like, national but a lot of boutique uh, artisanal stores that support, you know, uh, you know, organic, you know, uh, all that stuff. And, um, you know, our, our biggest location, uh, we're in a store called Price Trapper that owns 146 stores in upstate New York. That's our biggest uh, account that we have. But we're on Amazon. We're in a bunch of regional supermarkets and, uh, you know, specialty stores and stuff like that. And so... Tell us about the different sauces that you guys have 
um, sort of give me a story behind them. And I love the logos and the designs for the labels on every hot sauce. And I think you have really cool packaging. But let's really dive into those, Steve. Like, tell me about, you know, how you came up with these ideas. I love the Chiba Gold name, by the way. But that may be because I'm a Colorado resident. But it's... uh, (laughs) Not so, many people get the joke. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, I love it. It's incredible. And uh, But let's really dive into the story behind each one. And, and, I mean, what was the first one you started off with? It, the first one was uh, our hellacious hot sauce. Uh, basically, uh, it, 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 that sauce started it all. I, um, you know, I was working on this uh, music festival, and uh, Live Nation wanted to, uh, you know, buy a lot of the the, the, the tour. They, if we did twenty six shows on that on that run, and they were like, "Hey, we should do a VIP package." And I was like, "Oh, that sounds great. Let's do a hot sauce." They're like, "Awesome. We need six hundred bottles." And I was like, "Uh, okay." <laughs> so I had recipes and stuff. The stuff and my my friends were like, "Dude, you got to start a hot sauce company." So. So I was like, all right. So uh, we went to a kitchen, you know, and uh, we you know, we cooked up uh, six hundred, you know, six hundred bottles. We shipped it off, and uh, the bands loved it on the tour. The kids loved it, you know, and people were emailing, "Hey, where can I get more of the sauce?" You know, and I was like, "Whoa, this is crazy!" And uh, so we made more, and uh, we were doing all stuff from the the, the tour website, and um, and then I, I was uh, I'm friends with. Uh, Chris Caffrey, uh, who's the lead guitar player of the band Trans-Siberian Orchestra. And uh, I, I was putting out a, a cookbook uh, through Simon & Schuster, and uh, Chris was a, a good friend and uh, I wanted him to be part of the cookbook. And uh, he goes, hey, man, you know, I, I remember you telling me you like hot sauce. I love hot sauce, too. Here, here's a here's a here's a, a mason jar that i made and i was like oh cool and i had a mason jar of my stuff too and i gave it to him and he's like oh my god your stuff's awesome and i was like dude why don't we uh I, you know let's put a sauce out together so the next sauce was tears of the sun uh with chris and um and then it just kind of spiraled out of control i just started uh you know it's like getting in a recording studio or playing a guitar man you start creating all these riffs and where do you want to put them you know so we we have like really mild stuff to so the super ultra hots, you know. So our our thunder juice is our newest sauce. You know, I love tequila, so we infused our peppers with tequila, and um, we wanted to make it really really hot. So we used the uh, you know scorpion reaper and the ghost peppers, and uh, thing will light you up, dude. It's awesome. It's a good burn, you know. And uh, <laughs> and uh, and then our green man Alishi, um you know, it's a uh, Judas Priest song, and uh, I love Priest, so we, we did that sauce. It's a Verde sauce, but we did that in collaboration with another good buddy of mine. Uh, he's on the Food Network show, Chop, uh, Chef Chris Santos, New Yorker. He's a big metalhead and uh, owns, like, Beauty Nessex and Stan Social and, uh, you know, uh, Vandal uh, here in New York. And uh, so we, we just released that uh, a couple months ago, and it's been doing really well for us. And, uh, yeah, it's all about the brotherhood of metal and uh, just DIY mentality and, uh, you know, just work hard and just get it done, you know? And I love this. Um, I love the names. I love the logo. So, I mean, tell me the, the well, one, where did the name come from for your company? But then, two, how did you sort of come up with these names for your uh, hot sauces and then the designs for for each of the labels? Uh, you know, I just, I'm kind of like an, 
I don't know. Everyone says I'm creative. I guess that's my music side. So like I said, I wanted these sauces to be my creative outlet now that I'm not in the band anymore. So like the recipes are my songs. So I, I just, you know, I kind of make them, you know, what I like to eat, you know? So, you know, the Holacious, our first one, I really love smoke, smoky flavors. I love uh, barbecuing and grilling and stuff. So I wanted a sauce that would complement that. So then we, the Tears of the Sun is a uh, peaches, pineapple, mango hot sauce. It's delicious, wins tons of awards, but it's got that nice sweet heat to it. Um, the Chiba Gold is a, uh, I love, uh, you know, Barbados, uh, you know, love that, that style of sauce. So we incorporated, uh, kind of their flair with my Long Island flair, you know, so, you know, we kind of uh, use some Long Island peaches and smaller things that aren't traditional in the Barbados style, but we use mustard and curry um, and made that uh, sauce. And that was on Hot One season eight. And people really, really love that sauce. And then um, the Rogue sauce has uh, blood oranges, apples and pears in it with a serrano ghost scorpion pepper. So you get that nice citrusy note of the orange and uh, then you get, you know, hit upside the head with uh, the scorpion and uh, the ghost pepper. And then our Fufu Mama Chew is uh, in collaboration with my uh, daughter. She was uh, really big into Disney's and Disney movies. And she was like, Daddy, I want to make a hot sauce with you. And I'm like, cool. What ingredients you want in it? So she told me. And uh, so I was, you know, me and her were making, uh, you know, we're working together on this hot sauce. And I was like, I go, well, we got to come up with a name for it. And she goes, oh, I, you know, we got to come up with a spell. And she was talking all this Disney stuff, you know. And she goes, how about Bippity Poppity Boo? And I was like, well, I don't know if we're going to get away with that one, you know. And uh, yeah. like, why don't you create your own spell? And she goes, all right, how about Fufu Bamachu, turn daddy into a dragon? I was like, Fufu Bamachu? I'm like, that's it, you know. So we made the Fufu Bamachu. We put the dragon on the way you are work. And, uh, yeah, we just, it's all personal to me. You know, it's all like, you know, to hang out with friends and uh, family and uh, kind of get inspired by that. That's how we come up with the artwork. And I'll, I'll chicken scratch stuff on a, on a piece of paper and uh, I'll give it to some better artist who can make me look like a genius. So I, I have a couple of artists that uh, help me out with creating the label artwork to make my ideas reality. And so, I mean, just out of curiosity, do you use a co-packer or do you package it all? Do you run your own factory? I mean, how, I mean, how have you yeah, gone about that? Yeah, we used to... Um, yeah, when we when we first started out, uh, I would run a kitchen, and uh, which was great. You know, you network with a lot of uh, upstarts and younger entrepreneurs, and um, it just got to be a hassle for me because you know you can either make it or sell it, and you know when it's just you doing everything. So we did that for the first year, and then I got deeper into the hot sauce world and became you know really good friends with some people, other hot sauce companies. And they're like, dude, you're killing yourself, man. Why are you doing it? You can go down to this co-packer and give them your recipe, and they'll blast it out for you. And I'm like, I never even heard of a co-packer at the time, you know. So. uh so I say, sure. So uh, we went down to this co-packer and they specialize in hot sauce. And, uh, I, yeah, it's been amazing that they're, they're so passionate about hot sauce and they want to make your recipe exactly how you make it and stuff. So we've been with them since 2013, I think, and haven't looked back. It's been great. So I recommend co-packers to all my friends, uh, who are starting out when you can't, you don't have a lot of money to invest in, you know, warehouse and equipment and hiring employees a co-packer is great you know well and i think it's interesting and i'm not 
I'm obviously I don't want to be biased because we do co-packing all over the country as well as hospital food and long-term care and food for grocery stores and stuff. But I think what happens is it's like it's hard. It would be hard for me to do co-packing and build a brand, you know. So it's just like where you were. You were trying to build a brand and build a company, but then you also have to worry about the manufacturing. It makes it hard to do both because manufacturing is so time-consuming. But on the other hand, trying to grow a brand is so time-consuming. And so you know, it's one of those things. I think each entrepreneur has to weigh out how they want to do it. But I always tell people, you know, you can always take it back if you grow big enough and do your own manufacturing plant, but at least take the stepping stone to get from small to medium with a co-packer because, you know, it's hard how to manage that and grow a brand or manage the day-to-day stuff or get sales out there or sell your product. It gets very hard. And obviously, it needs to make sense because a lot of co-packers require minimums. Uh, Right, right. Well, that was one thing with us is that uh, we were getting to that point uh, when we walked into our co-packer and they're like, yeah, these are the minimums. And I was like, all right, cool. So we were lucky because we had a good base and so we were turning product over. And, you know, it's, it's tough being in the kitchen all day long, you know, you and, you know, me and my wife just doing it, you know. So, you know, our ultimate goal is, yes, we'd love to, you know, open up our own facility. And, and then, you know, what we figure, you know, a couple more years, five more years, you know, we'll get there. But uh, like I said, we're, you know, I just love the organic growth. I'm not force feeding this down anybody's throat. We, we, we're getting fans, you know, on our own just by just, you know, being cool to everyone, you know, and, uh, and our stuff tastes really good. We win tons of awards and, uh, we're out there. We, I love competing. I'm a big, I love sports and stuff. And, um, you know, so yeah, I, I recommend a cold packer for a small company, but as you get bigger, you know, absolutely, man, you know, pop it off and hire people and, and grow that way as well and start making it yourself. Well, and what a great market to start off in being right there in New York city. I mean, it's a total foodtopia. You know, it's like there's, I mean, it's the place where, I mean, is it more expensive to own a restaurant? Absolutely. But you have so many more people and you get such fast feedback on what works and what doesn't yeah, work. You know, I, I you know, I, I would not trying to agree with you, but I also think that, uh, like the song says, if you could make it here, you can make it anywhere. Yeah. New York is so hard, man. It's yeah, it like, is. yeah, there's, there's millions of people here, but no one wants to help you. There's no, like... You know, I got hot sauce friends in, you know, secondary and tertiary markets. And they're like, dude, we're in every single store, gas station. I'm like, man, I, I go down my, I mean, I go down to bodega. I go every single day to buy, you know, whatever. And the guy goes, no, I got Tabasco. I don't need this. I'm like, well, I'm local. Dude, I've been here every day. No, sorry. Yeah, yeah that is true. <laughs> That's true. That's yeah, very York, true. If you're having a heart attack on the sidewalk, you know, a hundred people are going to step over you before someone does help you. <laughs> no, I know. And I actually, I actually read a thing about that not too long ago about there was a fire. Like someone was literally on fire in New York and there were 30 people and they stood around and watched yet no one called called the fire department no, no. everyone assumed someone yeah. else was going to do it because there's this huge group mentality there and then the other part about it is is because of it no one wants to help anyone everyone is so busy and rushing around trying to deal with what they oh, have yeah. they, they don't help but um i mean yeah, so let's it's, talk it's about that you know so let's talk about you that know? you've new york is a hard place right and and i feel like it's a foodtopia like i said and 
you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. I agree with that. So how did you scale it? I mean, you talked a little bit about going to festivals and stuff, but you obviously, I mean, you go to the bodega every day. That's not, wasn't your market at first. I mean, so, I mean, how did you manage all that? I mean, it's got to be frustrating on a lot of levels. Number one, confidence and, you know, but we talked about keep going to make it to Madison Square Garden. But sort of tell me what your thought was amongst all this and how you sort of went around that. Uh, being once Having once lived in New York myself, I understand how hard it is to get a business off the ground in New York, let alone food business. Well, that was one – well, yeah. No, New York is tough, man. It's, you know, there's a lot of regulations. I, I still don't believe it's the most business-friendly uh, area at yeah, all. No. Um but, uh, but what, you know, what we did was, you know, being that we live here, we got to work around it. So, you know, we just started doing farmer's markets and, um, in, you know, like the street fairs and, uh, you know, whatever, you know, uh, there's a lot of, uh, you know, street fairs are big bring in New York, you know? And, um, so we would do them and, you know, people would see us, Oh, I just saw you in Long Island last weekend, you know, and people would recognize us. I'm really outgoing. I, I love talking to people and shaking hands and stuff. So, uh, people recognize us. And so when we started growing that we were trying to get in the stores in Long Island and, and, in New York city. And I would, I would literally go door to door to door to every business, every grocery store. And we just got that shot down, shot down. And we did the fancy food show at the Javits center every year. And we would get shot down. And I'm like, what the, what, what am I doing wrong? You know? And so people were telling us, they're like, Hey, your labels, you know, we're looking for, a traditional label logo, same thing, like, you know, Heinz, Tabasco, they all got that brand. They're all, you know, they have all that look We're you know, we're a little bit, uh, you know, yeah. a little bit more creative in the sense our labels are lit. So a lot of companies, they want to bring us in because they're like, Oh, Oh my God. You know, the, the, our consumers would never buy this. This scares in the skull. Oh, you know, so we fought that and everyone's like, your sauces are amazing. Why don't you just change the labels? And I was like, I refuse. This is my, this is my thing. I'm not going to yeah. sell out. I'm going to do, I'm going to do it, you know? So thank God for the beer world because all the craft breweries now are really coming out with these awesome packaging on their cans and stuff like that. And I think it's really helped me out now years later. It's, people are like, oh my God, I love that. Oh my God, I saw that crazy in my store. And I'm like, well, last year you told me to go F myself. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So um, it, it's been, dude, it's been hard. It's been tough, but like I said, man, it's a grind, dude. And I'm not afraid of working hard. And if I got to work 80 hours a day, I will, you know, it doesn't matter to me. You know? And uh, luckily the past couple of years, it's been getting easier. I think our festivals and that we put together and just, I think uh, hot sauce has become more popular in the mainstream. And I, I think people really respond to our labels now. I mean, people always tell me, dude, you should put that image on a t-shirt. I'd buy it in a second, you know? And um, I'm like, wow. So it, I, I definitely seen the change of it, but it's, it, dude, it's really, really hard being in New York city and uh, trying to get your, I mean, there's people that do support. I don't want to say everyone's against you, but there are, you, you find people that do want to support you and, and, are like-minded but man it's really really tough though i know absolutely and new york city is a very they're one of the it just happens i mean every coffee place has the same coffee cup every pizza place is the same pizza box yeah. and it's a little bit regulated let's be honest here including like trying to tell people they can only have 16 ounce soda or 12 ounce soda not 20 right. ounce and whatever that whole debacle yeah. was years That's ago ridiculous but yeah, so there exactly. is a lot of that too, and I agree with you on the business friendly spot. New York does not make it any easier, and neighborhood by neighborhood doesn't make it any easier. And it's 
it, it is harder. But one of the things I want to talk about, what you just said, is the labeling and the differentiation of the label. And you're, and I agree with you, all the microbreweries are doing it, And we're starting to see food and beverage companies do it elsewhere. And I agree with you. Um, we get in this pattern as companies that we build a brand and then everything's got to look similar to that brand on every product that's within that brand. And yes, there's a logo and whatever else, but I will tell you that we are entering a world of people are becoming more and more personalized because of social media. So whether people like that flavor or not, they want something that's unique to them. We're seeing it with coffee. We're starting to see it. You know, we're starting to get really down in the weeds in terms of people are really getting the chance to like their individual items or their exact hot sauce, you know. There's hundreds of thousands of hot sauces, no easily, right? But people still choose and buy the ones that they want, and there's still enough room in the market, I would say, for lots more hot sauces. Because there's, I mean, you go to some of the websites, and and just as a disclaimer, so everyone in the audience knows, our refrigerator in our house has two freaking shelves of hot sauce. That's how much we eat it and like it in our house. So. <laughs> That's awesome. You know, so that's, I mean, and everyone has their different preference. And not only do they have that different preference, but, you know, Zoe wants, you know, sriracha, not sriracha, uh, Cholula on her eggs, but she wants Louisiana on her rice and pork. And so, like, you have different things, and those are generalities. I use those because everyone would know those names. It's not really what happens. There's, like, this specialty one out of Puerto Rico that one likes and for dinner, and one likes this for lunch, and one likes this on a sandwich. And, and so our whole household is, like, crazy about hot sauces. You know, anytime someone goes here, they're like, oh, my gosh, how many hot sauces do you guys have at your house? You have no idea. And it's always we have a celebration every time we finish one because we get to buy another one. But it's uh, – <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty fun. But, you know, it is one of those things where it is personalized now. And personalizing the labels, I love what you guys have done. And, you know, you have this logo which represents your brand, but each hot sauce sort of gets to stand on its own um, because of the way it is and the way it tastes. It's not something that, oh, I'm going to buy this one because it's the same brand. Yeah, you want that brand loyalty, but you also want people to try it because they're interested in it or they feel a connection to it. And by doing different labels, you know, what we're seeing in the microbrewery is people really are attaching to things or trying new things because the labels attract them because they're not so standardized across every line. If I didn't like the logo, it means your whole product line's out. And we don't realize, but we do do that subconsciously. Yeah, I mean, I was uh, one of our bigger accounts. They took a chance on us, and um, you know, he saw us at one of our expos, the buyer, and he's like, "Man, your stuff tastes so good. I just don't know how it's going to sell with these labels." I was like, "Dude, just give it a shot. If it doesn't sell, I'll fucking I'll, I'll bring back every single bottle, man. You know, it's it's all good, man. No, you know." And he's like, "All right, let's do it." So after the month, you know, went by, I'm like, how'd you do it? He goes, dude, you're not going to believe it. You're the third best selling hot sauce here. I'm like, really? He goes, I've been waiting and asking people. People see your labels and they grab a bottle and they're looking at it like, wow, this is awesome. And they throw it right in the cart. Because yeah. <laughs> I'm a strong believer. If you touch something off the shelf, you're probably going to buy it, you know? So uh, so it's it's working out for us now. Before, it was, it was a real battle. And, and I got to tell people something about this. And your labels are sort of like this, but... Two of the most successful companies we've I've worked with 
um, in terms of growing from the ground up, have actually had their logos designed by tattoo artists. And it's a really interesting thing because they're so unique in this sort of where the food and beverage space, it's very institutional. And I, people aren't going to say that, but you look at the craft logos and while they're staples of, I'll just say America, because I will just use a smaller, um, microcosm right now we get these staples it's craft it's it's hidden valley you know salad dressing we get very used to these staples but they're very institutional now they're very plain compared to what we can really do with technology and designing labels and logos and stuff like that and you know we're going to start to see that stuff really matter people like that stuff it's more you know it's more appealing uh, and I think it it yep. sparks people's curiosity now, and you know newer newer generations that are coming into the um, population in order of adulthood in order to buy things or go to the grocery store like they're doing, they have much more individu- individuality and a lot more curiosity when it comes to food, and so they're willing to try yep. new things and then become loyal to those things. Um, so there's a whole new world out there, and I think that's what you're exactly what you're doing. Yeah, no, exactly. And I, you know, and people really want to support local businesses more now. And, uh, they, you know, because when we travel around the country, dude, it's people in California make the hot sauce way different than people in Long Island, you know, and yeah. down south or Portland, Oregon. So it, it, to me, it's really awesome. And it's like music, you know, everything like I said, everything equates to music to me. I mean, bands sound different in New York City than you do in Seattle, Washington, you know, so. It's really awesome. That's why I love traveling the country, trying different, you know, manufacturers, hot sauce, going to local bars, and uh, you know, to me, that's that's what it's supposed to be all about, you know. So it's it's a lot of fun. Yeah, my favorite, and I'll just tell everyone, I love the name Chiba Gold. That's my favorite name by far. But actually, my favorite label is actually the Rogue one. I don't know why that's the one that appeals to me. Um, and I didn't even nice. read what's on it fully, but it's. You know, it's like I think it becomes a preference, and I'm red's my favorite color. Um, it tracks me more, but you know, that's the whole point of it. If it's too institutionalized and it's too standard and it's not different, you know, people get so attached to it. It's like even if you're going to go with a basic label nowadays, have a different color go on to that exact logo for different products if you're going to standardize it too much or you're worried about spending too much money on different labels and you want to standardize at least vary the color from product to product right. do something right. because you need to categorize it in people's mind and you know I've never really talked about this on the podcast before but we'll get into the whole merchandising thing which is people's minds are attracted to what's different and if something's too standardized across the board, what happens if I see Hidden Valley, I sort of scan all the Hidden Valleys. I actually don't read what they are. I'm not going to read, oh, is there a new avocado lime vinaigrette? How would I know that? The label <laughs> looks the same because I just scan the aisle the same way. But if the logos right. are slightly different by color or there's totally different labels like what you did as I'm scanning that section, oh, I've never seen this label before because it's that much different. And then I get curious and look at it because we go down the shelves and especially in grocery stores or even on the internet now, we scroll at a rapid rate or we walk down the aisles at a rapid rate. And if something looks familiar and we see it all the time, we don't really stop and notice if anything's new about it. And that's a lot of things. People are like, oh, it's a new product. It failed because of taste. 
no usually it fails because no one knows that it's even a new product because it looks the same as the other products and right, so right. i think that's really cool what you've done yeah well i appreciate that it's uh there was times when i'm like man do i sell out and do this and i'm like just do it do it and i'm like fuck that i'm not doing it yeah yeah i know <laughs> So, and I'm glad I did it because now people are like, dude, that's awesome. You stood your ground. And, uh, and now I see other people, you know, uh, being a little bit more creative on their label artwork now too, which is awesome. You know, to me, that's what it's supposed to be about. And when people see high river sauces, they know it's high river sauces. They know my picture, you know, my face, you know, and, and dude, I'm, I got hair down on my, you know, my ass and I'm covered in tattoos. People know I'm this wild dude, man, you know? (laughs) No, it's it's, it's like, fun. it's, you know, there's certain things and people that's, this is, I'm the very much the same way. You know, I, I frustrate a lot of people and they don't understand me because being an entrepreneur, I always know you got to stick what's true to you and you are the brand yeah. and, and, and you are representing it. I don't care if you use a co-pack or I don't care how big you get at the end of the day, if you're still the founder and the owner and you're running that business, and you're putting it out there, you are the face of it. And everything you do still has to be true to who you are because you're reflected in every product you make. And, you know, people start cutting corners and institutionalizing things and trying to standardize things or get cheap on things and not staying true to themselves. Their brands go down the tubes time and time again, and we don't learn. We always think the money is the quickest way, but really the money in the long term will stay there if you stay true to yourself like you've done. Yeah. I mean, we, we've had, uh, we lease, uh, farmland from various farmers around the country just to grow our, uh, New York demand. Cause honestly, I'm not going to grow anything in New York city, you know? Yeah. And, um, what do you call it? And, uh, we've, you know, I've gone to farmers and they're like, Hey, I'll give you a cheaper price per pound, you know, than what you're currently making. And I'm like, well, I just don't like how you're farming. So I say, no, I, you know, I just, uh, to me, yeah, it's a business and you got to make money, but I also think there's a right way to make money and how you do it. And yeah. uh, so I, I don't care if something costs me a little bit more money, but at least I know that that quality of product is going in my bottles and I can sleep at night, you know, knowing that I gave my customers the absolute best thing I could put in that bottle. And that, that, that means the world to me, man. I don't, I don't care about saving money. You know, I mean, I do, but you don't say yeah. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna cut corners to, to put a cheaper product in the bottle. People are like, what the fuck, man? That tastes like dog crap now. Oh, yeah. I'm saving a quarter. <laughs> you know, and to me, I, it's not about that. I just, you know, I want people to be proud and uh, be like, man, High River is fucking awesome and we want to support this guy and this brand and they put their heart and soul into every single bottle because we really do. And it just means the world to me. Well, and food and beverage is a volume business. You want volume. Exactly. So if you go to save 25%, but it... Det- depreciates your product whether it's the label or the quality of your product or the ingredients in your product you're going to put down the volume and so while you may make 25 cents more you're going to have a lot less volume so you know i always try to explain this to people i work with or can and uh, mentor or, or work with is that sometimes a smaller piece of a bigger pie is a lot more money and maybe a smaller piece percentage wise but if there's a larger pie it's still more money to you. You got to right. look at it that way. And it's interesting because I love what you said. It's about the money, but not about the money. You know, I, I agree with that 100% because I think too oftentimes we get so caught up in the cost of things, we lose track of what we're trying to actually do. 
and and what it represents and then people wonder why they don't succeed well you're not really taking the risk of putting your true self into your product and your true beliefs you got to put your beliefs behind it you got to be authentic you've got to be vulnerable in it and you've got to put what you believe out there and that's why when you guys reached out to me and i looked at it online and i apologize it took me a little longer than normal to respond with everything going on but when i actually looked at your product lines i was just like holy crap this is the coolest thing it's exactly where I see the world going in, in the differentiation of labels and the products. And then you've obviously, now that I hear your story, you've sort of just let it grow organically. You know, you didn't force it. You let it be pulled along versus pushed it. You know, and I think, right. and as you said, I believe it was the term you used, BYI. And so um, I think that's important. And I will tell you, I'm going to tell a little story, and I don't think the audience knows this, but about... Two months ago, I had a company come through to a food company, a very large one, um, wanting to offer us basically six figures to sponsor the podcast. And and without a hesitation, I said no, because it was never what the podcast was about. It's about telling everyone else's stories and giving back for all the things that I've done. And if I take a sponsor, I feel it takes away from the people who are actually on the podcast who are telling their stories and it's about their brands. And the reaction I got, well, one, when I told them no flat out, I didn't even have to think about it. They're like, well, think about it. I'm like, I don't have to think about it. I'm staying true. I, I've been down this road before. I know in my own experience in my early years of being an entrepreneur that anytime I've ever tweaked because someone wants me to, it's bitten me in the ass every time hard and cost me way yeah. more money than it's ever saved me or made me. And so that's one. But two was is then I was telling people or they're like, really, why would you do that? And that's so much money. And I'm like, I guess I don't see it that way. I see that it's going to take away from the other people on the podcast their money. It's going to take away from my money in the long run because I sold out, you know, and I'm a little bit like there's something to be said. I know there's this joke in every movie, don't sell out, and the guy who sells out, and why not take the money and whatever. But there is something very true to staying true to yourself. And the other part of it is, is I've just always been that way. You can't put me in an office building. You can't put me in a skyscraper behind a desk. I will lose my shit. I just don't have the ability to work that way. And I think that's what it takes to be an entrepreneur really is exactly what you're doing is you're doing it the way you want to do it. And you've got to hold true for it. And I've, I actually, one more story, and I want to hear from you more, Steve. Sorry, I'm talking so much. But one of the things that someone nah, said to me awesome. literally oh. yesterday is that they're like, oh, my God. You know, sometimes they're I'm talking to them about their brand, and, and I'm involved in their brand and helping getting it to market. I'm like, you know, I feel like the dumbest person ever. I don't know anything. And I was like, you know what? I don't know whether you're dumb or not dumb, but I will tell you that to be an entrepreneur, you have to be dumb enough not to listen to any of the smart people telling you what they think you should do. So, exactly. Because there are times where people told me 100% I would fail at something. Without a doubt, I would not succeed at it. And on one hand, it's the fuel that powered me to get through it because I'm like, I got to prove you wrong. But on the real side is, is I never listened to it because – either I'm stupid, which is a very strong possibility, or I just don't care because I, I see the vision in it and I want to do it anyway. And sometimes that's just enough to, to make it or break it. I mean, you had how many people give you feedback over the years 
and you're like, no, I'm going to stick to it. And now look at it. You're in a, you said 11 countries around the world. That's huge. Yeah. You know, and it, it, I, I, I'm a strong believer. You gotta, you know, you know, your passion comes through your product. And, uh, and I think when people see the, how passionate you are, it helps you out more as it's just, as just opposed to like, yeah, this is what I got in a bottle and wearing a suit and tie and yeah, yeah I got to meet my numbers this month. You know, that's, you know, yeah, I understand we got to pay bills and we got to do all that stuff, but I, I think, you know, if you stay true to yourself and you're very passionate about what you do, one, it keeps you motivated. Uh, people see the passion, they want to help you out and it just makes your, it makes the story even more entertaining and fun. So I, I you know, you just got to stay true to your roots and you got to, you got to work hard and it'll eventually come to you. you know, you just gotta, you just gotta keep that grind down, you know? It's, it's a crazy world, but it's like, it's what goes against your nature is what you want to do. You know, there is this weird thing that we want to conform sometimes. I, I actually don't have that problem. I think actually probably Deborah would say, um, that I'm the opposite. You know, I, anything starts getting too standard. I'm like, uh, uh-uh. uh, like no way we got to yeah. we got to rethink this we got to redo it and she's like well it's working perfectly normal and i'm like she, she's like why you know i hear about how if it's not broken don't fix it i'm like well it's going to be broken if i don't sway it the other direction i mean that's the kind of mindset that it is like and so i'm constantly right. moving and then i frustrate people because they're like oh my god you move so fast and your brain works so quickly and you have this thing and vision and going down the board and we can't keep up and you want to do all these products and and i'm like and you know i i do have to slow it down sometimes but it is one of those things where i think if we get too complacent or we start to conform too much in our brands you know we we don't continue to grow and that's just a personal yeah. belief of mine <laughs> and what i know from my own experience i mean there's plenty of people that i've done well but I guarantee you got to always be creative. You know, if you're a beef jerky company, you got to keep coming up with new jerkies. If you're a hot sauce company, you've got to keep coming up with new sauces um, just to keep it real. Otherwise, you even if it's not to sell, you want to stay creative in your game. So Yeah, you know, and I, I, I'm a strong believer that if, if, if it's not broken, don't fix it. That, that stops innovation. It stops creativity. You know, if, if that was the case, well, we already got sriracha and Tabasco, so why do we yeah. need more hot sauce? Well, those guys aren't making hot sauce out of blood oranges. I am. So, you know, it's, uh, I, I totally hear what you're saying. I, I, you know, you just put your, I, I'm, I'm the same way. I'm always thinking a million miles per hour. I can't sit still. I'm always, you know, you know, I can't even enjoy watching TV sometimes. I'm like, wait a minute. I shouldn't be watching TV. I should be working or something, you know? So, yeah. um, but uh, that's that's uh, I think all entrepreneurs are wired that way, you know. So, but it, to me, I wouldn't change it for the world. I love every second of every day. I love to see the growth. To me, it's like a video game. All right, I sold X amount of bottles this month. I mean, can I sell this month? You know, and yeah. if you do things the way you want to do it, then I have no problem selling a million bottles if I can, you know, because I did everything how I wanted to do it. And I could sleep at night, you know, and um. You know, it's like, you know, being in bands, you know, oh, we could sell out and become a pop band. Well, screw that. I like playing death metal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, well, not many people like death metal. So if you want to play in front of 20 dudes a night, well, you know, I will because I, I enjoy it more than, you know, playing crappy music. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's 100% spot on. And Steve, I mean, I mean, really, let's dive into it. Well, you said the video game thing, which I, I look at things the same way. It's like achievement points or keeping score or whatever. I, yes. 
I, I see exactly. life very much that way in that very competitive environment, even if it's competitive with myself from the month before. Um, and I, I recently did this to myself with task lists. I'm like task lists and conquering through task lists. I figured out this program that we use on Microsoft Teams called Team Planner. And now all of a sudden I'm like competitive with myself um, on the tasks. And, you know, and it's the craziest thing. I got to do better than yesterday. I got to have a better score than last week, you know, and I'm keeping score against yeah. myself. But what are the favorite things that you enjoy about the job and that you do now um, as an entrepreneur? I, I personally love, you know, just hearing people's feedback of our products, you know, whether it's negative or positive. I just... You know, one of the things I tell people um, that start up, I'm like, dude, do your local farmer's market. You, you'll you get people that will come up to you and say, this tastes like dog shit. <laughs> you know, you're like, really? You know, and uh, I, I always, uh, every time I have a new product, I always bring it out to the farmer's market first. I really believe that gives me a good uh, starter point to see where I got to, you know, change the recipe or whatnot. And, um you know, so I, I just love hearing feedback. And then when I do tweak it, you know, it's it's in a bottle and it's for sale. I just love, you know, I'm, I'm nervous about it because I'm like, oh, my God, you know, you know, it's like writing a song. You know, are people going to really like this song or is this going to be, you know, sucky, you know? And um, so I, I love, you know, my greatest thing is I just love, you know, hearing people's stories. Like I, I get people every month that buy a case of our, you know, rogue sauce or whatever sauce. I can count on that every month. And I'm like, what are these people doing this? And I'll reach out to them. I'm like, hey, thanks for the support. What do you... And they'll tell me like, oh my God, I can't live without the sauce. I put on this, I put on this. And it's part of their daily uh, daily rituals, you know? And uh, so I just like, you know, I get a kick out of it. I, and it keeps me motivated. And uh, I just love putting a smile on people's faces by doing like, you know, I call myself a hot sauce outlaw because I don't, conform the trends i just do my own thing and, and it's really enjoyable to see people uh you know their feedback and hearing uh people's excitement for the product and that's what really keeps me going and taking I, I love it it's, it's an awesome feeling well and your attitude towards the feedback good or bad i think is so important often people get stuck in that the product may not be good but the feedback is what helps you grow or tweak it or make it even better absolutely and even the writing your I'm own song for, go ahead yeah, I'm a strong believer. Like, if you, if I, I love baseball, and you, you said you're, you, we both live in the Queens, and I'm a diehard New York Mets fan. And <laughs> every time you go up to bat, dude, you're not going to hit a grand slam. I'm sorry, you're not going to. You're going to strike out. You're going to ground out. You're going to double, you know, go into a double play, whatever. Same thing with, you know, being an entrepreneur. Anything, you know, anything that you put in the market doesn't make it you're going to become an instant millionaire. And I, I laugh at people today when they're like, yeah, oh my God, a hot sauce is a billion dollar industry. I'm going to start a hot sauce company. And, and then they're like, here today, gone later today, because there's no passion. They don't know nothing. They just think it's a quick way to get rich, and it's a scheme. And I'm like, no, dude, <laughs> this is like a, a way of life, man, you know? And, I, you know, I, I, I see it all the time, and it just cracks me up. Well, and there's a couple of things. One is is you've got to be willing to write the song or get to the plate in the first place, to use the metaphor. Yeah. And so you got to, you just got to take the risk. And you can't take each time you – I mean – Baseball percentages are pretty low for, I mean, all things considered, they're, you know, less than 40%, you know, for example, some most less than 30%, you know, on actually right. hitting the ball and so, or not getting out or whatever. And so, you know, that's not a great percentage, but they still do it. And those guys are the best in the world. I mean, think about that. 
So, you know, or basketball, look at actually the percentage of shots people hit. Or soccer, how many, how many, I mean, that's probably the most extreme is how many times do I have to kick the ball at the goal before I score? Sometimes it's zero, I get a zero percent during a game. You know, so it's like one of those things where if you don't keep trying, you're never going to succeed at it. But you got to understand there's going to be huge failure along the way or opportunities to improve or whatever you want to call them or, you know, fall forward or another growing opportunity, whatever it is. You know, there's that. The other part that you said that I thought was just um, important was that it's part of it, it's part of the lesson. You know, it's part of getting there. You know, you have to go through it in order to get there because really what you're doing is you're doing it because you want this and you feel passionate about it and it's a lifestyle. And really when it becomes that, the money just comes. You know, everyone jokes jokes around about it or, or thinks it's some like Instagram meme or something like that, but it is true. You chase the money, you become consumed by that and profiting and your quality and your product and yourself and your authenticity suffers. When you do it the right way for you and you build slowly and have the patience to stay true to what you're doing, and it's got to be a good product, don't get me wrong, you know, get feedback and take the time to do it like you did, it will grow and the money will come, you know? And so it's not about the money. It's not about a get-rich-quick scheme because if anyone knows, and I'm sure you know, it's not easy. And there's a lot of frustration, a lot of hardship. So if it's not something that you love doing, you're probably not going to succeed at it and the money's never going to come anyway. So if it's just to get rich quick, you're probably not going to get rich at all. Um, In fact, the exact opposite. So, you know, it's, it's funny, like, uh, you know, my, my mom, you know, she's always like, Oh, I, I, Oh my God. I just, I found out about this new band or brand new. I heard them on the radio. I'm like, mom, that band's been around for 10 years. And she goes, Oh, I thought they were an overnight success. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, well, your overnight successes take 10 years. <laughs> yeah. And it's so true. So, yeah. It's, it's tough. It's so true. People don't understand the amount of work and the consistency along the way to get there. And, um, so it's pretty yeah, cool. Like, and I see that in, in you, Steve. And so, I mean, okay, let's talk about a, a couple more things, which is, um, the first one being, what are some of the hardships or, or obstacles you found, um, on your journey that you feel that your experience and, and how you overcame them might help people that are listening in that are also food and beverage entrepreneurs? I'm sorry. What was the, I'm sorry. What was the question again? Um, um, so some of the hardships that you've had that you've overcame and, and how you overcame them, um, so the other people in the audience can learn from what you've been through. Yeah, I mean, like I messed up that life, question a little bit. I'm sorry. I came out all jumbled. Normally, I have it succinct, which is how do you feel that your failures could help someone in the future? Yeah, I'm I'm a big uh my phone was coming out, that's why I should repeat it. I'm sorry. Um but no, I'm a s I'm a a strong believer that you learn from history and if you want to succeed, you don't repeat your failures and you learn from them. So you know, you you're you're always gonna fail at some way or another, like, you know. So just <laughs> I, I try to study it, like, especially going, like, people are like, what do you know about hot sauce when you got into it? I was like, nothing. I just knew I liked it, and I loved it, and I had passion for it, and that's how I started it. And one thing that I learned that it is a business, 
And when you're trying to sell the supermarkets, you got to be on top of your game because those guys will nickel and dime you. They'll, you know, this and that. So that was our hardest transition into it. Went from like a hobby to doing, you know, street fairs, farmers markets to trying to be quote unquote professional and trying to get to mainstream. Um, that I'm still learning every day. I learn it's really tough and sometimes it's frustrating. So I just tell people, you know, really study hard, learn quickly because sometimes those trends and uh, business things change rapidly, especially with technology and stuff. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm a strong believer of thought the horse, get back on it, <laughs> go faster. <laughs> you know? So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, we, we've tripped up a couple of times. We've lost some money and it sucks, man. It's like getting hit in the head with, by Mike Tyson, you know, but you know, hopefully you get back up and start swinging again and uh, learn from your mistakes. And hopefully you don't lose too much money where you go out of business, you know. But when you take it up to the next level, you know, I definitely, uh, you know, all those uh, different things that the supermarket offers, you know, you got to be really smart about it and, you know, make, see if it makes sense for you. Sometimes, it's not, you know, I've had accounts go, hey, man, you know, we'll bring you in, but we want to, you know, uh, you know, we want a free, you know, a slotting fee and we want like 10 cases of each sauce for free Do the numbers. I'm like, man, I'm going to lose my ass on this deal. And it's just, yeah. sometimes it's not worth it, you know, and you just got to, you know, go through gut instincts sometimes. And I know, and people are so afraid to walk away from those deals or maybe their own yeah. opportunity. And it's like, you know, it's, you know, it's not the right thing to do. And the term is um, escaping me right now, like, bite off your nose in spite of your face, but that's not, I screw up those things all the time, but it's whatever, um, you know, you're, if you're going to lose money, it doesn't really help your business. I don't care what store you're in and stores actually don't build your brand, you know, and people think that, Oh, because I got in here and my product's going to be featured in Kroger or giant or whole foods or whatever that it's going to make it. It's way beyond that. It has a lot to do with how you're out there building loyalty from customers, like we talked about earlier on this podcast. I mean, it's so many things. And I just, it's so short sighted. It's such a short sighted thing. And people will be surprised when I say this. Unless you have, what you want to do is exactly what High River Sauces have done and you've done, Steve, is that you want to build enough of the brand loyalty where you get pulled through, meaning there's enough interest in your thing where people want your brand on the shelf. Then you have negotiating yeah. power. When you're a nobody and you are and you have to buy your way in, like they're not going to sell your product. They're not going to push it even more. That You just paid them to do it. Like what's yeah. it, they're not gonna, They already made their money. With your product sells or doesn't sells, it doesn't really matter to them. But when you already have sales, they now want a piece of that money. And then, then exactly. you have a little more things to grow. So it takes patience and it's hard, I know. Um, you know, we get in these arguments in my company all the time is, you know, the short term goal versus the long term goal. You know, and what's the long term goal really? And how long do we want to be in business in this product line or with this client? You know, so when a client comes to us and asks for advice, what is our real advice? Yes, I would love to do a million pounds of barbecue sauce or a million gallons of barbecue sauce a month. But if that client's, that's great and that's a great idea and that's what XYZ store is promising them, but they're never going to get there because what XYZ store is asking them to do is put $100,000 into advertising, marketing, slotting fees, 
and free right. product. And so if they're not in business in two months because we just enabled and bankrupt them, one, we're not going to get paid for the million gallons. Two, the million gallons are never going to happen because they we gave them advice on bankrupting themselves. Like I get that the goal in this is an accomplishment of success, but the accomplishment of success is to be wanted, not to force your way into it. And it's a weird thing, and I'm going to give an analogy. It's like love. Demanding love doesn't feel great, but being loved authentically and unconditionally is outstanding because you earned it, right? And so yeah. the... um that's what we're talking about here. Build a brand, build something people love, and then people will want be attracted to it. God, what's the thing? Um, it's uh, you know, if you 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 want to lead leave a lead a life that people are attracted to. If you want to be a leader or you want to be a role model, it's not going out there. I'm a leader. I'm a role model. No, you gotta you gotta act the part. authentically and be that way and it's the same what you did with your sauce it's put it out there get the love authentically and then people will want it in their stores and it's like you said you the guy told you a month ago to go f yourself you know i get that if i listen to every time someone told me to go f myself i wouldn't need to be in a relationship you know so (laughs) so, exactly so i've seen i've seen uh you know hot sauce companies you know they're amazed uh you know, um, they're like, yeah, we're starting up. I got this investor. He's going he's gonna to give you 200 grand. We're going to get it in this account and this account. I'm like, cool, man. That's exactly the exact opposite of what I did. And they're like, don't tell me when I tell my story. And they're like, uh, you know, they look at me as small potatoes. And I'm like, let's talk in six months. And we never talk in six months because they're always out of business. And yeah. people are amazed. I, I literally started high river sauces. I was, um, you know, I had 1500 bucks in my checking account. Um, you know, part of the, the, what happened when I was putting that, that concert together, that tour together, I was unemployed, man. I lost my job and I was like, well, what am I going to do? You know, and I, I, don't, I don't want government handouts, you know? And, um, so we started it and got this rolling and I literally took my last 1500 bucks, my bank account and made, made hot sauce and sold it at, hot, you know, at farmers markets and stuff and went from 1500 to three grand. And I was like, woohoo, I'm a millionaire. <laughs> it's working. This is awesome. You know? So, uh, yeah, I just don't understand how some people have that mentality, I guess. It's whatever, you know, to each their own. But uh, I come from a school, maybe it's from work on a farm, you know, a school of hard knocks. You got to, you know, pay your dues. You got to work yeah. hard and nothing, no one's going to give you anything, you know, and this and that and everything. And think, I, I really am grateful that I had that philosophy because I think it really helps me out today. And you know, you look back at how hard work you do and you, you have a better understanding and a better appreciation of everything around you. And, you know, I wouldn't change it for the world. Well, and I hope the audience hears this as well because we talk about a lot on the, the podcast. So I'm probably saying it for the 17th time. But if you don't go through it, you don't learn the lessons that actually help you be successful. Yeah. You know, if you can't turn $1,500 into $3,000, you are not going to get a loan from someone or an investor no. for $150,000 and turn it into $300,000. It's just not going to happen exactly. because you didn't learn it along the way. Just because you get money in, money doesn't create success. It's the lessons on how to make that money grow that gives you success. Exactly. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, we've, we've had investors come up to us 
you know, because of the, the hot sauce expos that we put together and our hot sauce is really exploding now. And people are like, dude, I'll, I'll give you X amount of dollars to become X amount of partner. And I'm like, not interested. Oh, dude, I can get you in this and this. Not interested. I, you know, I'd rather just let it grow organically the way it is. You know, it's like, you know, it's like a heavy metal band. <laughs> you know, you know, just do it, you know. I will see if it works in the long run, but it's working so far, so I'm not complaining. So, Steve, as we wrap things up, is there anything that you want to share with the audience? I'm just uh, grateful the audience is still listening. <laughs> yeah. They're like, who is this guy? <laughs> you know, but no, I, you know, uh, check us out, man. If you guys love hot sauce and, uh, you know, we put a lot of uh, love and, uh, you know, a lot of good times in those bottles. And, uh, you know, I, I think everyone listening will dig it. And uh, we, we've, you know, our hot sauce is, you know, it's not overly expensive, but it's not cheap, but it's, I think it's a fair price, five ninety nine for a, a good quality, high quality bottle of hot sauce. And uh, like I said, shoot me an email, uh, and I, I respond to everything. And uh, I just want to thank everyone for tuning in and listening and supporting you because you're supporting people like me. So I, I want to thank everyone, you included, for listening to us talk and uh, you know supporting the underground scene. So, Steve, what I would love to do is I'm I'm getting a lot of question and answers from the audience. Well, questions. I shouldn't say questions and answers. They aren't answering anything. But a lot of questions are starting to come in during the quarantine. I think people have more time on their hands. We're starting to get a lot more questions. So what I'd love to do with you, because I think people are going to ask a lot of questions about your story and sort of how things are going. I'd love to get you back on the podcast next week to do a part two where we sort of are able to answer those questions. Because historically, I haven't really answered the questions or I've sort of brought them up in different ways um, for the audience to answer. But I think I'm changing things a little bit in that during this quarantine period where a lot of people are asking a lot more questions and listening's up, I think because people have more time on their hands, that we actually do an answer session with you to answer all the questions people have. Is that something you might be interested in? Yeah, 100%, dude. I'd love that. Absolutely. So does the same time next week work for you? Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. So everyone will be releasing another episode next Wednesday with Steve um, and and I look forward to it, Stephen. Thank you so much for taking the time to be on the podcast. No, thank you for even having me on. I really appreciate it. It means the world to me, dude. And I, uh, one day we'll uh, meet up for some beers. Yeah, there you go. And, and some hot sauce. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so everyone who's listening in, again, you can reach us on Instagram and Facebook at Justin the Food Entrepreneurs. Please share the episodes and tell people about it, especially people who are in the food and entrepreneur space. Uh, we're here sharing stories. The entrepreneurs get on the podcast to, to try to tell their story and promote their own brands, but they're also here helping you guys um, want to know you're not alone in the, in the world because being an entrepreneur can be lonely at times, but also that you don't have to learn all the lessons on your own. And if you do, there's other people that have learned them. So learn from these episodes. I'm like a sponge. I learn something from every episode every day, or I'm reminded about something I should remember that I don't. So part of the reason that I do it, that I feel I shouldn't take money for it is that I'm learning so much. So it feels a little bit wrong for me. So thank you everyone for listening in, continue to share the episodes and thank you again.